I'm Ryan Peck. And I'm Nicole Barlow. And this is Soundtrack Your Life, where we talk to a guest about a soundtrack that they feel connected to. Today, we welcome back Daniel Ephraim, book curator, band manager, photographer, and executive producer of the Chad Stockfoot Elephant Six documentary. Welcome back, Daniel. Oh, thanks for, thanks for having me. So, Daniel, uh, Nicole and I are huge fans of the Elephant Six Recording Company, so we were so excited to find out that do- a documentary was coming out. Um, so, obviously, you are the Apples and Stereo Band Manager, so I, I would assume you were uh, involved very early on in the process. Yeah, um, Robert, you know, introduced me to chad who had reached out to him and uh, back in either 2009 or 2010 when we first started talking about all this and um you know kind of went from there i you know robert obviously i I care a lot about how the apples you know are, are portrayed about everything and so you know it was it was kind of like this uh this thing from Robert, which he, he, you know, where he says, you know, Hey, make sure, make sure Chad, you know, is taken care of if we're doing anything. And, and so I know that he and and Chad collaborated a lot on, especially in the beginning. I mean, he, I mean, throughout the whole thing, but um, especially in the kickoff, because, you know, Chad came into this as a, you know, what, and I, I think this is fairly readily known, but, Chad was not a super fan of necessarily the Elven Six Collective. He was a big fan of Olivia Tremor Control, um, from what my memory serves. Apologies if that's wrong, um, but I, I don't think that it is. And so he was looking for, you know, he was, it was great because he was looking for, you know, insights. He didn't assume anything, and, you know, he, he went out on his own in that way and, and kind of found the, found the narrative. And I, I, it went from being, you know, you know, it kind of, it kind of naturally progressed over the years, and um, and here we are. Um, but it was, you know, in the beginning, beginning days, there was a lot of navigation about how to make this all work and introduce, introducing him and making sure the collective felt comfortable with everything that was going on. And, you know, really, you know, from my perspective, you know, Robert is, of course, the key ingredient to all this. Um, I just, you know, happy to be along for the ride. And then as things progressed, Chad needed some help. And, you know, again, as an advocate for, for, for not just the apples, but for just being a fan of the rest of the folks and my own history with helping out the different groups just in, 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 you know, perhaps behind the scenes in an advisory way, occasion, very occasionally, it just came to, came to be that, Oh, okay, well maybe, maybe I could help a little more officially at that point. So it was a, you know, it was a really fun and a, a great way, a, a, a really fun project. Um, but a, a project that, we all took really seriously and, and Chad deserves so much credit for what in the end um, was uh, you know, what you saw. Um, he works so, so, so hard on this and um, he did a fantastic job, I think. So I'm, I'm really proud of it. Yeah. It's done really beautifully, honestly, respectfully. You can really feel his affection for, for Olivia in particular, I think come through in this film. Um, And the other thing that I think kind of blew us away about it that we were talking about before we hopped on is all this archival footage and how much documentation there really was um, of Elephant Six in their heyday. It was surprising to me as somebody who's, you know, been been a fan here on like this other coast in California, right? Like as a young kid trying to follow that and fall down this, you know, rabbit hole that like Elijah Wood starts to describe 
like how did all of that footage sort of come together and how how long a process was that what, of digging and and going to people to try to get all of that well i mean you know from a from my standpoint i can only stick to what you know i was specifically in, involved with so you know um my my understanding about um some of the archival footage was that you know lance bangs was in the area he was you know, kind of a, a fly on the wall to a lot of this and, you know, always had his camera going and as a good photographer, um, that's, you know, what you need to, a lot of times that's what you need to, to do. And he was, you know, the right guy at the right time at the right place and had that footage. Um, you know, this was, you know, the, the film took on two versions. There was a, a you know, different version. It's very similar to, in, in a lot of ways to what you saw some of some more footage was added for this, you know, the final commercial version that you've seen. And it it's, I'm so glad it, it was there in terms of um, the, the archiving. I mean, there's so much material from the different groups as a whole, whether it be video or physical, um, you know, there's so much that it was released by what was considered the E6 family. There's so many different fanzines and art pieces and, uh, you know, photographs from, you know, you, you know, I have to remember that this is a, a, a collective of dozens of, of people that, are, you know, there might be a core couple dozen, but there, you know, it, it, it germinated out into uh, a lot more than that. And so there's a, a huge treasure trove of uh, documentation that I think really, adds to it and if you're you know at all in the athens area there's actually a um uh, an art exhibit that you can go and check out at uga that is um a lot of it um, um or at least a, you know a fair amount of of stuff for display but robert turned over most of his apples and elephant six materials to this archive that is uh, run by henry owings um, who's a, a designer in the Atlanta area and a confidant and has a, a um, an operation called Chunklet, designs books. He does a lot of different um, archives. He has uh, his own books on the rock and roll scene in Atlanta and Athens as well that I recommend you check out too. There's so much to, 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 to base this on that I think it was a real, it was a real treat to, to kind of, to see what you know, what they decide to include, and how they decide to include it. So you know, so uh, you know, I don't know really if I answered ex exactly your question, but there's just so much. Um, I'm I'm really I'm glad that they were that there's such a an, uh, an amazing voluminous output from most of these artists, um, and because you know there's so many different directions you can take um, a film when you have the materials. Yeah, no, like you said, it really is. A, it's a treasure trove and it's a, it's a delight. It's a delight to see, you know, things that are a little, you know, less known, like, you know, Dixie Blood Mustache, this like 12 piece all female band that, you know, were playing um, appliances with, with kitchen utensils and things that felt like very, very DIY and of that moment that people may have kind of like forgotten about. But I think really demonstrates like how much experimentation they were doing and, and you know, really what what the the mood and the mission of everything was. So it was super cool to see. I mean, I, I think that the, you know, the, the beauty of, you know, them starting really in a, in a house together, at least the core group is just, you know, you can't, you know, you can't make this stuff up. It's, it's real. And that it happens to be, you know, again, they're, if not all of them inspired, they obviously are in a, in a, in a town at a time when, when REM was such an important, uh, influence, not the, you know, not that that's diminished per se, but obviously they're not active. So it's a little mm -hmm. bit different, but you know, they're so, that was so important. It was kind of encouraged. Like all of this was kind of encouraged and, and they could make their way, you know, um, they could figure out a way to like make rent, you know, which is, you know, very um, difficult thing for everyone these days. So um, it's a little, it's a very different type of scenario to, to find this type of place um, now than it was 
um, in the early 90s and mid 90s. Yeah, and obviously, you know, they were creating tons of music at the time, but I guess something that hits a little bit harder when you can see it is all the physical art that they were creating as well. Mm -hmm. You know, Julian tells that story about he just had that sketch about that eight foot metronome. Yes. And, and, you know, someone just kind of like saw it in his notebook and decided to create it for him. And, you know, obviously, you know, like I saw of Montreal on tour a few times, they're a very theatrical band, but Mm -hmm. um, to see even without a budget that they would try to basically create everything that they were imagining was pretty inspiring to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, they gave, they gave themselves a rightfully so license to just, you know, they all had big, big plans and they usually didn't have big money, but they found a way to kind of show all of it. um, And that it, the aspiration was always there. And that's a beautiful thing to behold. You know, it's such a truth. Mm-hmm. And um, people, I, I think that, you know, you can, there's, uh, you guys are probably, you know, um, uh, also uh, very uh, familiar with the latest, um, uh, the you know, the, the, the replacements remixes that everyone's talking about yep. these days. Yep. And so, like, um, you know, there's this big, you know, I don't know if it's a big argument, but I posted my own opinion, which was that, and, and we, you know, it's okay to disagree. It's not a, it's not a contest here. I'm not, you know, I'm not militant about it. Uh, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people that love these new, these new mixes. And uh, I don't dislike the mixes, but I think that there's a, the reason why I fell in love with the band was not because of how slick they sounded. It was because of what, the aspirations were and mm-hmm. that it maybe failed in some ways because it didn't make it to, you know, a commercial radio impact of, uh, you know, speaking specifically of the Tim record uh, that was mm-hmm. just, uh, reissued was kind of part of the reason why I loved it in a way. Like if it had made it, maybe I was, I was rooting for them either way. I mean, if they had made it, I would have been happy for them. Sure. But like, or made it, whatever that means they made it to me. So like, you know, the discussion being that it's so much more important now because these mixes make it something grander. Okay, look, you know, that's an aesthetic, you know, um, determination that each person makes. And arguably each sound is clearer Mm -hmm. that make for, you know, a better you know, vehicle, I, I, you know, for this, I don't know, like to me, it just, I fell in love with the mistakes. Yeah. And I, I just, I think that there's something about, there's a relationship here to take it back to the elephant six film where, you know, there was grand ideas and those ideas somehow, you know, to, to, uh, you know, a core group of people really resonated. And I, I, I think that if, if those ideas were, um, if there was more money spent on it, I'm not sure it would turn out any differently. Yeah, I, it's so funny that you bring up that replacements reissue because Ryan and I have been talking about it all week. I just got my copy yesterday. I like sat in front of my speakers and listened to it front to back and read the booklet, and it was like this very, this very cool experience. I like the I like the Ed Stacey. I, I like it. Right. I think a lot of things about it, as you said, like they sound so clean and, and fresh and new and the vocals are so great. And it feels like it's a, it's a correction, but it's also not why you listen to the replacements. Nobody was ever asking them to be perfect. Nobody was ever asking them to be technically proficient. You know, they're primitive and the primitiveness and the imperfections are what makes it wonderful. But and then I think also when you, when you layer on, you know, production and technique that makes something better and that elevates it. And I think like this documentary is such a great um, example of that, right? Like Robert Schneider's influence over the neutral look hotel recordings, for example, was so fascinating to see those anecdotes, right? The one anecdote about the, the banjo, like tape loop that they're experimenting with for um, the pre-sisters. And the cats. 
and the cats, right? And so there's this description of how like they're distorting this tape loop and it eventually gets so weird that it sounds like a UFO. And then suddenly all the cats in their house come and sit in front of the speakers. And then Robert Schneider's like very excited, like, oh, we consider that a success. And it made me so happy because I'm like, first of all, yes, like cats are aliens. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And second, like I'm those cats. <laughs> yeah. I'm those cats that's drawn to kind of like the mysticism right, of it, right. not the perfection of it. But this mysticism and this alchemy of like, what the fuck did I just hear? And that's what hits you, I think, about those recordings. It's definitely what hooked me. Yeah, and I've never been like, I need to hear a remixed version of Fun Trick Noisemaker. Or I need no. to hear, you know, like, no. no one's asking for any Elephant Six remixes. You know, the way Robert did it, you know, no one questions that it could be better. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I, I you know, the the record it's again with the with the um robert stuff um how dare he occupy this conversation like this does he know he's in our head <laughs> he's gonna text me right now dan um i need to talk to you about something um and it's gonna be his new fanzine um but um <laughs> but and he does have a new a new fanzine that's based on um uh actually on ai and um he is basically taking this approach as a tangent here. He's taking this because he's fascinating. He's taking this tangent. I, I hope I'm defining this in any way, shape or form uh, correctly, Robert, if you listen to this. Um, but um, it he's basically trying to train AI to, um, uh, to be uh, artful. Mm -hmm. And, that he believes that the control of AI from the beginning will then make it, if not not necessarily function better, but potentially um, represent art better. I think that's his goal. I might I might be a little off on that. I'm sure he would put it more eloquently than me. But um, anyway, um, <laughs> I am very excited about his uh, his uh, his new project because it's uh, a fun fun thing to um to think about um and i'm also uh and he also asked me recently when i saw him at the um the elephant six um premiere here in new york he oh dan you know if you have any abstract photos i'd like to maybe use it for the fanzine and mm -hmm. um of course of course i would do that but he also created uh, just again a tangent but he created a soundtrack for the fanzine and it's up. It's up right now. It just came out. It's up. You can look up Robert Schneider. I don't. I have to get the name of the fanzine actually in front of me. So I have a copy here somewhere. Maybe I'll be able to find it before the end of the show. But in essence, there's new. There's new music. It's like this weird. You know, of course. You know, this sort of space age. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, drifty electronic synth stuff but anyway back to your point about robert and and the recording practices and so forth i mean he you know what i love to hear about was um specifically between him and bill doss um and how they had you know this sort of competition um because i used to you know hear from both of them about um some of this uh, more from robert but toward the end i was i was actually due to start uh, managing the Olivia Tremor control um, right before Bill's passing. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was, you know, it kind of, I think all of this, the release of the film is kind of an, it's kind of a, a time for reflection about our, our, you know, our friend. Some of us knew him better than others. I, I didn't know, you know, Bill obviously as well as uh, the Athens crew by any stretch, but, you know, I think that there's, a special bond within the community and and it it made us oh you know somebody's not here to really you know to see um how much of an impact people feel from his cont contribution to this um world which is quite significant and it, it certainly is a beautiful thing to have um you know these final interviews that were um uh, for the film um because chad got some really great stuff from Bill and, um, and that's another contribution to our world. So I think a lot of people that, you know, w perhaps were really into the Olivia Tremor control. You guys can, you can tell me what you, if you think this is accurate or not, I'm too close to it, but, um, you know, it really feels like there's a, a little bit of an ability to maybe put a little closure on something though. It's still, you know, 
will never be completely closed. Um, doesn't really happen that way. But um, you know, what do you think? Do you think it it has any impact on, on your elf, your Olivia Tremor control fans? Do you do you feel like the film has a that sort of helpful sort of leaning toward tying up uh, some some loose ends for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, first of all, I think it's a, a really beautiful tribute to Bill. And as you said, it's they've got so much incredible footage that I wasn't expecting to to be there. And it really kind of hits you in the gut um, at the point in the film where, you know, they talk about his passing and you see the devastation in Will and and him trying to kind of pick up the pieces to, to finish the album. Um which I can't, honestly, I can't imagine, um, you know, just on a human level, like how you carry on that way. Um, in one sense, it feels like a necessary process of grieving and something that maybe most people don't really get to do to have this kind of like access to the past through these recordings. And then the other sense, it's like, God, you know, how heartbreaking and how hard. Um, it, it definitely gave me it, it kind of brought me back to like, this is so embarrassing, but we were talking about LimeWire on another podcast. And I'm like, I can still remember like trying to, and trying to failing to like get Dusk at Cubist Castle like off of LimeWire. Because <laughs> we're here on the West Coast, you know, like if you don't right. have like a cool cousin or something that's connecting you with mm-hmm. what you want to hear, you know, right. you're just desperately trying to find it any way you can. And I remember that desperation and that satisfaction of being like, man, finally. <laughs> Um, what an incredible you came through for us, right? It's what it's just like what an incredible piece of music, and how satisfying that was after like you know 57 failed downloads. I think it's really, um, you know, the I, 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 I mean, like the rest of the fans and friends and participants, like you know, I wish I, I, I wish I had more insight as to when and if that that final album will ever get finished um i mean i believe it will be finished at some point there's different um i've heard different things from robert at different times about like what what portion of it is done and and so forth but uh i know there's so many folks that are excited about that it would Mm -hmm. certainly i mean i'm not at all involved with uh that particular uh discussion at the moment and, and and because it involves all these you know happy weirdos i'm not sure exactly what type of time frame can be put on it but i certainly hope they they uh capitalize on the momentum of this film and and like get you know try and finish it as soon as possible i think it would be a smart thing and i think that it would be you know again a a nice um tribute to bill a, a positive spin on this to make sure that people hear what um, his last, you know, work with that group was, was about. Um, I think that would be a really, a a good thing to do, a proper thing to do. And I know they want to, it's not about desire. It's about, now it's about Robert, you know, being, um, you know, in, now he's moved to Michigan to be a, 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 you know, mathematics professor. So he's a little bit out of pocket a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like in this, like they were describing where they are in Michigan, and I thought I understood the geography of Michigan, but, but Robert and and Marcy are on on a double peninsula, from what I they said. So they're not only just in a peninsula in, uh, on Lake Ontario, if I'm not mistaken, but there's a like a peninsula upon a peninsula, like, <laughs> and so <laughs> with, with I don't know it's so funny to this particular California is like a hat on a hat, you know, just yeah. a spare peninsula. We've just got an extra appendage. I mean, most people describe kind of... Michigan like this. I live here or I yeah. live yeah, up yeah. here. Yeah. I mean, this is like, you know, if you're trying to, <laughs> they were describing this to me because like, Oh, I should come visit you sometime. And they're like, if you don't make it, you know, <laughs> it's probably because. <laughs> and, um, I no was, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, if anyone, you know, um, it's just a strange thing to think Robert, you know, this is where the first um, or his tenured position, you know, took him um, for, you know, when you get one, you have to take it really, especially when you're not, when you start in education in a late part of your uh, 
you know, part of your life, later part of your life. And to get tenured is pretty amazing mm -hmm. so quickly. Not unimaginable to me because he's, he's a genius, but, um, you know, it, it's not, <laughs> it's still, he had to move to this place and he's the most like, um, um, a bullion, uh, human loving person. So it's, it's kind of, you know, he's too far away for most of us. Um, we want him to be a lot closer so we can see him and feel his, uh, his vibe, uh, more often. <laughs> yeah. I remember during, I think the new magnetic wonder press cycle where, you know, I think that was when at least publicly we started knowing that he had fallen in love with math. Public declaration of love for math. Well, because he was like coming up with like new scales and stuff based yeah, on math. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I remember that very. Uh, I, I mean, the I remember when we first um, started making New Magnetic Wonder. Um, I was so happy that they chose to work with um, Bryce Goggin again, and that's here in in in, in Brooklyn. Uh, Across the river from me in New York, in New York City, um, and, or Manhattan, and um, and anyway, so you know, as would be, I you know, I'm here, so I met Robert at the studio and helped him load in. And I tell, I've told the story, you know, I've told it one time, I've told it a hundred times, but it's still, you know, a fun one to tell. That um, I've loaded in a, a million groups to recording sessions, um, you know, or dozens of musicians, rather not million, but dozens of musicians into recording sessions. And, you know, it's a couple amps, you know, the guitars, different instruments, etc. And so I'm helping him and he's, you know, I've got these milk crates full of books and I'm like, stuff here. And so I'm um, helping bring him in and, you know, I, each one day I go back into the, um, you know, they next day I go in, they started up recording and he's, um, he's sitting on the couch and certainly at the time, I don't, you know, studios certainly have changed in the last 15 years, but at the time there was always like a Mojo magazine or Rolling Stone magazine or tape ops for Robert specifically, you know, like these, you know, music magazines that you can find. And they were usually, you know, in the studio and people were, when they're downtime, they're trying to, you know, pass the time somehow. Maybe there's Us Magazine, Us Weekly or some People Magazine sometimes, mm -hmm. some crappy like, you know, entertainment BS magazine. But, and then there's, you know, Robert and sitting on the couch and I see him like with, you know, a, uh, a physics book on one side open uh, you know, a, um, a trig book, I think, I think it was trig on the other side open, like one to his left, one to his right. And then his composition notebook in the middle. And he's, you know, writing the one of those marble notebooks and he's writing. And I'm, I'm just like, so this is where it's gone. This is like where we, <laughs> because previously the first time I had run into him, uh, and his mathematics was at some show he was backstage in the green room and he's such an ebullient character that um he's you know he's always the center of attention it just can't can't help it his energy is just just can't it's it's impossible for anyone else to overshadow it he's not trying it just is um everyone kind of comes to, <laughs> to the magnet of robert schneider and so um at one point there's a green room and he's like sitting off in the corner writing in his composition book. And I just like, this is really atypical. What is going on here? And, um, I walked over and I said, Hey, what you working on? Oh, I'm just working on a little, little math problem I have. <laughs> and eventually like he showed me like his notebook. He didn't show me. I don't think he showed me that time, but I was like, okay. And he showed me a, the, the equation and it was like 10 pages long. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? Like, but he, he, I mean, he, I'm probably telling the story all wrong, but from Robert's perspective, but from my perspective, you know, it just was, of course he's teaching himself like intense mathematics on his own. Like this is, it's just, you know, this is just different than the way I think of things, which is what makes him so interesting. I don't know where my point was, so forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One tangent. 
<laughs> well, I think I think the point is is that I think Robert Schneider, he's so fascinating. He's fascinating. He's um, compelling. He's kind of the unofficial narrator of this film, almost in a way. Like he kind of, um, yeah. he kind of threads all of the stories because you can see in the interviews with other people, it's just as you said, like everyone just kind of wants to feed off of his energy. Um, and it's not, it doesn't ever feel like he's, you know, intentionally trying to draw any kind of attention. That does not seem like his thing, but rather it's just, he's, everyone is kind of in orbit to him because of his just total kinetic genius. But uh, I think that, you know, yeah. And, and, and I do agree with all that, but you know, on the film itself, like, you know, there's so many characters in the film. They're so, they're all so interesting and it's, you know, Robert can sometimes overshadow a lot of people too, just by his very energy. So I want to be clear about that too. Like I, playing favorites because i know robert the best of them all but like you know they're all so interesting i mean heather heather uh, mcintosh is really interesting she's an incredible composer um you know there's just so many interesting people will is uh you know his artwork is i mean his 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 musical and visual artwork is amazing and you know you can can you can buy original artwork from him very inexpensively too. And he's a great, great, great artist. I highly recommend that. And, you know, I was lucky enough recently to see, uh, um, uh, the music tapes, Julian's project, mm-hmm. um, play, uh, here in New York recently. I think he did a few shows, maybe it was a half dozen or something recently on, on I think it's on the East coast that he did it. So kind of warm up for his new album. And I mean, he is a, he is a genius as well. I mean, there's so many people in this group that are just undeniably just these unique individuals. And, you know, Julian shouldn't be overlooked either. Yeah. And, and does Julian age? Uh, yeah. I think I saw a wrinkle <laughs> up close this time. this time. I think I did. I think <laughs> I did. Um, but yeah, the same hat. So, same. <laughs> I, I wonder. I want to know how often the blue hat knit hat gets clean. But <laughs> I don't want to pry. You know, I want to know. But I don't want to. I don't want to pry. But I do want to yeah. know. It's the trick: staying consistent with your accessory yeah. is yeah. really what's going to de-age you. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and it was you know in his his show. I don't know if you have ever seen him live, but if you haven't, I mean. The, the music tapes doing, I think it's called, uh, you know, the, the, the show is called the orbiting human circus. It's just like, there's such a beautiful, um, feeling of wonder mm-hmm. that I got from seeing him again. I, I I've seen him with the metronome by the way. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I was expecting the metronome this time. I was a little bit disappointed the metronome wasn't with him, and I let him know that. No, I didn't actually let him know that, but um, <laughs> but I was expecting, it and I because I love the metronome. I love it's an amazing thing to see, um, the six foot metronome. But but by the same token, um, he and his uh, his musical partner Robbie Robbie played the bear. So there's a you know there's a, a bear that comes out and mm-hmm. plays with him, accompanies him, and. I mean, there's just this, this 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 beautiful naivete, but it's not naive. It's presenting naivete, but it's like not naive at all. It's super aware, and it's it's very centering. It's somewhat like I was photographing it as well, so it was a little bit different because I was trying. To, you know, it's a different perspective when you're trying to document um, a bit. But I was still taken away at times. Oh, I should be taking a photo of this. Um, like I was, I was drifting away because there's a meditational element to it. There's a, a, a sort of mental cleaning, if you will. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. we're, at least personally, there's so much, you know, crap going on in the world that it's nice to see something that is just not that at all. And that Mm -hmm. you're, and that you can take so, I don't know. It's like, uh, it's like a an hour long uh, uh, show that where you can drink as much I don't know fresh watermelon juice as you can have. It's just something that's <laughs> so clean and and refreshing, and mm. 
different and it's yeah. part theater and part music and part spiritual. And I don't know. He, I was, I mean, again, I haven't, I hadn't seen him in a long time. I don't think he's played in quite a long time. I haven't looked that up, but it, it was, this is like, but this is, I'm describing Julian, but I could be describing, you know, any number of the elephant six. And I think yeah. the film and the way that they, it, that it was finished, I think Chad, um, as well as someone who really, I think, deserves a, an incredible amount of credit, doesn't get talked about nearly enough, is Greg King, the editor, um, mm, who came yeah. in and, and worked on it at the end. And Greg is known for working with uh, one of the other executive producers, Rob Hatchmiller, who did an incredible job finishing this film the way they did. Um, I think they made a better film than what I worked on and, and helped finish with Chad. And I give them all credit for that. They, they did this. Uh, and I think Greg worked with uh, Rob on the other music documentary as well. So Rob Hatchmiller also produced and did a lot of other a shot and did a lot of other things for the other music documentary with, I'm sure your, your, your group of fans here that are listening know what that is. And, and so he did an incredible job and um, you know, if I had a hat, I'd be tipping it to him mm. as well right now. So anyway, Greg King, and um, and Rob Hatchmiller deserves so much credit uh, for this um, as well. So, yeah, again, I'm off in all these different directions. This is just uh, me blabbing. I can get real blabby. So, I think that's what the show is about. Actually, I'm pretty sure that that's like our byline, like okay. real blabby stuff about about music <laughs> from people who really love it and can't stop talking about it most days. But I, I think I think you said a lot of things that also feel just uh, I'm always like hesitant to say like trite things like, well, it feels so pure. But, you know, you watch it, you do kind of feel that like purity of spirit and that like, you know, cleansing that you talked about. Somebody, I think one of the journalists when they're talking about elf power, I think their their depiction of them was it's a it's a strange vision passionately presented. And that is kind of how it how it feels. I felt like that was a, a good description where he's talking about elf power, but he really could be talking about about anyone. Well, um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, why? But I wanted to ask you: Why do you feel that you shouldn't, um, you know, consider something pure or or discuss it as pure, or describe something as pure? Like what? You know, it's it feels like it puts a lot of pressure on something. You know, like it because could anything possibly be like totally pure? And is that kind of an unfair, you know, like pedestal to put something on? Maybe it is. I don't know, but. I think it's more about the way it uh, makes you feel, right? Well, well but that, that's – and that's the only way you can really respond to it. I mean the stories behind, you know, uh, you know, the – you know, my one thought about the, you know, the film that it, you know, it definitely stays in, in very positive world. It doesn't like go too deep into um, much of, um, you know, the – maybe some deeper things and maybe there's a constructive criticism there from me as well. But, you know, um, there's, it's okay. Um, you don't know the whole, you're not told the whole story. You're told what they will feel comfortable telling you. Right. Some people that may not be enough and that's fine. But like, is, you know, I think that if it comes across to you, what you've been told, what you now have in front of you, what we've listened to, um, you know, if it resonates in as in that territory of pure for you, I mean, you know, back to the replacements analogy, I mean, obviously there's all these stories about their, you know, fuck upness um for you know and, and so forth. And another friend of mine said that um he couldn't listen to the new mixes of that record because he had read Bob Mare's um, you know, book on the replacements and just thought like, you know what, I'm, I can't, I, I just don't want to, I don't care. Like it, it turned him off to their music and, and that's fair. That's his reaction. Like who's, who are we to question that? But then by the same token, who is anyone to question you about whether or not you feel it's pure, you know, like, is it, I don't think we should guard our, I, I, I'm not, not necessarily lecturing you by any stretch. I just want to encourage you not to guard yourself. If you feel that way, I think there's a, a beauty to spreading that 
you know, that vibe, that's, that's how you feel. That's unabashed. That is such a, I agree. There's, it's a loaded word. I agree with you there. It can be loaded, but it's usually loaded in a good way. Yeah. You know, that's, I think that's a, that's an important point. Before the show, Ryan and I were talking about how it feels kind of rare to see this window into a time when community was possible, when you could buy a house and live in it with, you know, several artist friends and make cool shit and get by, um, you know, just barely and be totally okay with it. Mm-hmm. This idea of like hanging out on porches and having space and, you know, not having kind of external distractions, but but rather, you know, creating this kind of insulated bubble of creativity for yourselves and for like the sole purpose of making art is not something that's possible for a lot of people now. You know, I feel like the the places that that can exist are fewer and fewer and and the art that gets produced gets is impacted by that. You know, you see that in less and less weirdness, I think, and experimentation more and more. I have to do something because it can't fail because I can't afford it to fail. I certainly don't speak for you guys, but I can speak to you about that myself. You know, I've been very lucky to be able to thread together a bunch of different projects and be able to somehow eke out a survival, but it's it's really tough. And um, again, this is not about that, but I agree that, you know, it represents a certain time. Again, I also think the film, talking about the film um, and the Elephant Six, um, you know, recording company film also represents the next generation of Athens, you know, weirdo artists, which I also think is really, you know, though I mentioned it earlier on, I, I think, you know, it deserves some 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 uh some thought as well there's you know what did you know what athens has become now since really since uh in the last 10 years maybe 15 years has changed so much that it's really not the same fertile ground that it was and that fertile ground was there in the beginning um obviously recognized be- because of rem and what they did um and their art um, and uh, all the different art that they helped in that environment encouraged who would have, you know, the main thing was who would have thought that uh, bands like them could actually exist and could actually do something with their music. And that encouragement, it can't exist now. Like it just doesn't, it can rather it could, but it, you know, the society hasn't, doesn't allow it to anymore. And I, I think that it's in a way like, you know, you look at, um, without getting into politics too much, like you, you can see like, okay, that there was the seventies where, you know, they were, you know, high schoolers themselves and they were kind of moving into college in the eighties and that's when it all kind of started. And then, but at that same time, that's when things around the country really, the policies really changed. And that's where I'll, that's where we are right now, and yeah. the Elephant Six was able to still take advantage in 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 a in, in a loose way, in a different way, but take that inspiration in the same area, but doesn't happen in Athens the way it did before, doesn't happen in New York the way it did, doesn't happen in on the West Coast the same way it did either. So right. it is interesting. I think it does actually. The last place that I heard that that you know that really had this sort of communal and maybe i'm you know i've also aged a lot so I, i'm not following the, the music scenes as closely as i once was but i've i've heard that you know in since the aughts that uh, you know baltimore had really um you know taken that on and certainly there's a number of artists from there that music musicians and otherwise and friends that have moved down there um that i i've heard some really great things about. i don't know whether they're having like you know they have houses full of like, you know, uh, crazy musicians making music in each of their bedrooms, but mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but, but I think immediately of like early animal collective. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, I know that also North Carolina, you know, there's all these little scenes, but where did it, are they still developing? And it's, it's interesting. Once you get to the point where like, you know, um, bands in from those areas have probably become big enough they probably the rest of the bands can't afford to live there or <laughs> it's the same thing like with real estate 
<laughs> like once once right. someone's actually been there and now there's a cafe, now you probably can't afford to live there anymore. It's it's kind of sad, but that's can be the truth at times. I think the I think the closest that I can think of to kind of this musical community that they created in Athens is uh, the online music community that the Roots created when um, in the late '90s. The OK Player message boards were you know different rappers and producers were finding each other and collaborating. Okay. And mm-hmm. um, like there's one project called the Foreign Exchange, which is uh, Fonte from uh, Little Brother from uh, North Carolina and Nicolay, who I believe is from the Netherlands. And that's why it's called the Foreign Exchange, because they were okay. passing these ideas over the Internet. Um, Wasn't and, aware of that. Thank you. That's cool. Um, so they kind of had that community. But um, I think since the artists started getting bigger and now with the Tonight Show gig, I don't think it's really what it used to be but you know it was kind of that same like-minded thing of you know quest love is working on different people's albums at the same time and then all these people are finding different collaborations through these message boards and you know was, i think like the elephant six like it could only last for so long before you know some people are gonna have to move on yeah. true that true that robert moved on to you know digits um <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, a lot of it was fun to see. It, you know, mainly when the film was finished, it was fun to see. Like, um, you know, it's fun to see my friends on the screen again, and mm-hmm. you know, and hear what they had to say again, and then take them aside and say, "You're full of shit." Uh, but um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, would, that would be only directed toward Eric Allen of the Apples, but. <laughs> no, no one else no one else no one else if you're listening eric you're full of shit yeah daniel he'll, says he, he'll, he'll eventually listen and probably figure out a way to get me back for that one i'm curious like as an insider and someone's been involved in this project for so long in so many different iterations and phases is there is there anything that you kind of wish had made it into the film that didn't make the eventual cut i think that it would have been great if a couple of the um, people that are not involved in interviews, like had sat down, obviously. I mean, you know, obviously the elephant in the room, excuse the pun is, is Jeff, but Jeremy, you know, I think Jeremy, I'd really like to have heard from Jeremy. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, it's such a big group too. There's just always going to be people left out and that never feels good, but you have to tell the story. And I, I think that that's, you know, that's something um, that you have to keep in mind. You have to tell the story the best way you can. And I think that, you know, as a constructive criticism, though, I, again, I, I think the film is, 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 is really, really, really good. And, and is that, you know, I think that there's other, I, I would have liked to, maybe I would have liked to have heard about a little bit more about backstories on, um, you know, projects that they, collectively didn't think were successful and why not uh just as a a side there's all this great stuff out there and you know it 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 it, and i understand the reason that you have a you know you have a contained amount you got to tell the story is that just a distraction in the end it probably would have been just a distraction but would have been interesting to perhaps hear some of the more like oh we tried this thing and i just totally failed and um what that was to them because as someone who wasn't involved with the create, you know, making the, the music of the, the making the music or making the art in the collective. I was just, in essence, I was a, an administrator. I was a helper. So um, I'm not part of the E6, if you will, whatever that means to people. <laughs> but I always think of it as the people that were making the art. Um, and I was just, you know, I was just helping out. And, um, and so it would have been interesting to hear like, what wasn't, what didn't work. Um, uh, but, um, you know, I, th- I think that there, you know, it's a shame that again, it's a shame that there'll always be people left out, mm-hmm. but what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? It's such a prolific output output too. Right. So I'm sure it, 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 you know, in an edit, you always have to decide what the most essential pieces are to tell the story. So it's inevitable that stuff's going to be left out. 
I mean, we obviously, Ryan and I as huge E6 fans, but also huge neutral milk fans. I think we'd be kind of remiss if we didn't talk a little about Jeff, Jeff Mangum. And, you know, obviously he is present throughout this film. Yeah. Um, he isn't interviewed in this film, which is not surprising. And as a fan, you know, it's one of those things that, again, I feel like you can't ask for and you don't expect mm-hmm. exactly. I had the good fortune of seeing Jeff play in 2011 when he played um, All Tomorrow's Parties in, in Ashbury Park, which is, I, I think, if not the first shows that he played um, after a very long hiatus, one of the, the first. And I remember this very distinct sensation of you know everybody kind of wanting to reach across the expanse to tell him like how much his music meant to people. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the crowd by me is like, Jeff, you saved my life. You know, and it was yeah. very sincere, right? Very sincere and very hushed, yeah. very respectful because yeah. you kind of felt like, well, you don't want to spook this person that, you know, you has meant so much to you. And then has has given so much to to your life and enriched your life in ways that they're never going to understand. But sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Is there a question there? I'm sorry. No, 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 no. There is not a question there. See, this is what I mean. Our byline is rambling about music. No, no, no. Without, a, without a clear endpoint. I, 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 I wasn't. Uh, uh, it wasn't a challenge either. I, I just. Um, no, I mean, uh, I was enjoying your your description. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jeff. I mean, what can I say? Jeff is a is a complicated character. Um, I have a, a, a lot of respect for Jeff. Um, but um, yeah, I would have liked to have heard what he had to say about this. Um, you know, but it also is completely unshocking that you know he didn't. want to be involved in that level in the end you know to be to be fair you know he he was i mean he was he was dry he was definitely dragged along kicking and screaming to even allow for the portions of um the band to be shown um i mean robert i i believe robert um was you know probably responsible for for really making sure really pushing to make sure that was part of it because it's fair to the, to the whole, to the, to him, to telling the story, it's history and it's their history. It's in a, in a way, you know, they each don't own their own history. They do independently, of course, but it's a part of a bigger picture and a bigger story. And I'm glad that he, you know, that he relented in the end, um, to allow for this, you know, those portions of the, um, footage to be used and shown and songs to be used and so forth. Like, you know, you know, I think that there's a lot of people that really wanted this to happen. And, um, you know, another of the executive producers, um, was, uh, Brian McPherson and a lot of people outside of, you know, music business don't know him, but, He's he's really been the lawyer and, and publisher for many of the Elven Six groups um, since the inception, and so he deserves a lot of credit because he really, you know, he worked to make sure that the that the, the film could could use the songs, um, and uh, you know, and he's been keeping protect protecting the rights for so long, and uh, he's one of those guys you just don't want to fuck with, and. Uh, <laughs> But that's a good thing to have on your side. And I, I really think he deserves to be credited for that, you know, that work that he did to make sure that the Elephant Six was protected and the writers were protected all those years. Because if if they weren't, then perhaps this film is, is not made in the way it's made. Um, might have a different significance, less significant, uh, perhaps. So anyway, just want to spread the love to people that really deserve, you know, some credit that maybe don't get enough um, attention about their involvement. And he's another one that deserves that. Like I said, Jeff is complicated, but, you know, I remember seeing when he was thinking about, um, you know, doing some music again. Um, I remember meeting with him a few times and talking with him about what was possible and so forth. And it was tremendously exciting because, you know, you can't, I mean, you can't help but know um, if, especially in, in my my position, you can't help but understand what that will mean to certain folks. Um, and certainly it meant it would mean something to me too, um, you know, just on a emotional, creative, um, intellectual, you know, cultural level, it, it meant something to me. And I was very proud to, you know, to 
have some conversations with him about it and it, you know, eventually led to what, what you ended up seeing. I was lucky to see a, uh, uh, when he was trying things out, you were speaking of all tomorrow's parties. Um, I was lucky enough to see um, a show at a luthier, um, an instrument maker here in, in, in Manhattan. He played a show. I think there were six people there. Wow. I mean, literally six people, including the luthier uh, and um, his wife, Astra um, as well. Um, or partner. And so, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, he was trying things out. He played a few songs and, uh, it was a beautiful moment, uh, for a number of reasons, but he plays acoustically and, you know, playing amongst partially made and, or being finished, uh, musical instruments that, uh, acoustic instruments, uh, primarily violins and, uh, violas and cellos, if I'm not mistaken, it was just such a, a, a beautiful thing for a number of reasons. One, I grew up playing uh, classical music myself as a, a violin for, for many years. My dad was a classical musician for 64 years, professional, wow. professional classical musician for 64 years. Mm. Um, think about that. I would, I don't know that that even exists anymore, mm. but he was, and um, but to 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 sort of that's my home environment is then you know this sort of I was back home, and he's playing wasn't my home, but in in my own head I kind of imagined that I'm oh this is really homey to me like I felt so comfortable amongst violins and violas like that was what is a comfort zone for me. It's one of the reasons why I got involved with music was that stringed parts specifically mean so much to me acoustic string parts uh, from playing from listening from growing up with melody um and then for him to um with his own raspy uh uh um uh, uh melodies in his own way to both use melody and also the uh, the dissonance that he has and the um the emotion that he has in his voice to be resonating through these instruments um um, was a really beautiful, you know, uh, moment um, to witness. And so he, you know, look, he is a talented and very um, important uh, figure. And so um, whatever all of the, and all these people are, and in a way by his miss, maybe perhaps by him not being involved, it, it helps some of the others shine more. And so, you know, I know there's part of that that he's thinking about too. Like he doesn't want to overshadow, doesn't want to diminish um, any, but by the same token, you know, the world knows when they think of Elephant Six, they usually think of him. And I guess, you know, there, there's, um, there's a beauty to that. And there's a, you know, an inequity to that, of course, as well. And for, for justifiable reasons, I mean, you can't, choose your popularity you know and you can't choose your fans and you can't that's these are not things you get to choose but you do get to create and you do get to decide how it's being how your image and so forth is being used so all you can do to search per person in my place as a producer is respect you know see if i can twist the arm a bit sometimes uh hope that they'll still take my call <laughs> um but uh and see how far you can take it but in the end you gotta you know what do they want to do like it's you know because that's in the end if they want to do it it's going to come across probably that much better and if they're being forced you can usually tell oh, yeah. so it's 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 a delicate thing i think that the film does the best they can with it and uh all in all with him being an absence of the film and jeremy not being involved in that way as well. I, I think that they still get their due. And I think the others perhaps, you know, get theirs as well. So there's a good side to that too, I, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now that the uh, film has been out, I know you, there's been some kind of premiere screenings in like LA and New York. Um, how have you kind of received kind of, um, 
now that it's out in the world and these kind of parties that they've uh, thrown in celebration of the screenings? Uh, how have I been received? People how have you, how, how have you like received it? Yeah. not me, but um, <laughs> rightfully so, rightfully so. Um, I mean, I just think that the film, I mean, Rob, again, Rob Hatchmiller and the, the team that sold the film, um, you know, they did a great job of, of, I mean, think about, I just can't imagine another niche film. And I say that in the best possible way. There's a very niche community of, of fans. Um, this film opened in 30 cities commercially. I mean, I've worked on other documentary films, by the way. Um, and, and, you know, I, they've shown in 30 cities, but they didn't open in 30 cities. They didn't, you know, go to 25 different film festivals and more actually are being added. I mean, if, I don't know if you looked at the, the latest, but there's, uh, there's a, a, a film festival in London. There's a film festival in Athens, Greece. There's one in uh, another one, I think in Spain, another one in Portugal, if I'm not mistaken, these are just the film festivals that are, that are now showing it along with places that are screening it internationally. So like, um, you know, we're up to, I think it's simultaneously up to about 35 cities and it's being shown in. I mean, this is a small film. This is a unique success. Yeah. And um, again, there's a lot of, you know, just the con the content. Yes. But got to You got to go back to like, wow, Chad, Rob, Greg King, these guys, um, you know, Lance, he's, you know, and of course, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta, gotta look at the whole community and how it's embraced and how everyone, you know, I think it does well because now some of the, you know, a lot of the E6ers are now spread out all over the country. So they can now do these screenings and they will be the Q and a guest. So as a marketing side of it, it, it makes for, you know, you can get an elephant six member sometimes in a different city than just Athens or Atlanta and, um, or Denver. So it's like, it kind of works out that like, Oh, the seeds have been planted around the country and there's people there that then know who, or at least have some semblance of an idea of what this is. I think the best thing about the film is that, you know, or one of the other great things about it that, and why it's done, you know, um, at least creatively is done so well and somewhat, I mean, certainly commercially and, it's 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 still out there it's it's i think it's a success is that um it's a success in getting across i think the spirit of like lifting others up and having a community and like you don't have to, i i think i mean again i'm not objective so i know a lot of the most of the music that's in the film of course but i know a portion of the elephant six music i can't know it all i'm certain there's many 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 cassette tapes i have not heard um, specifically, but think about it, you know, this is a film about inspiration. It's about creativity. It's about family. Like, yeah, these are, you know, if you look at it, maybe on, you know, on, on a, on a piece of paper might even sound a little hokey, um, maybe too pure in some ways, referencing our, our previous thoughts, but that's what this is. And I think that, you know, this is a good time for positivity and yeah you know yeah. we can use this this is not this is why people like i think this is why people will it, the film resonates that there'll be criticisms there should be i mean why not um but like look it it's undeniable that they all tried to help each other they all tried to spur each other on and yeah. that's what you get and i think that's pretty awesome you know, and that's funny, like, I feel like that optimism is something that we need right now, right? And and most music documentaries, you know, they have a they have a third act that, you know, culminates in some kind of dissolution or, um, you know, traumatic event. And it, it doesn't, that's not really the truth, it feels like behind this story, you know, rather, it's just really like a celebration of what community can do. Um, and at a time where it feels like, you know, that's something that we're really like missing 
is this ability to connect with one another and and make things happen. It's, it's kind of beautiful. Like it almost made me sad a little, you know, like you come away with a sense of melancholy. Like, can we go back to that? Well, I think there's a beautiful melancholy, you know, like there's that, you know, that, that thought that like um, a, a lot of great pop songs, you know, you, you look at them, you hear the melody, you're like, oh, that's great. And then you read the lyrics separately. And you're like, oh shit, was that what they were saying? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, but, you know, by the same token, I think that it's one of my passions is to work on like the Steve Keen art book um, and like uh, another film that's I've been working on for even longer than the Elephant Six film, um, which is a film on the history of the yo-yo, the toy, the yo-yo, um, is, you know, there's, it, there's art that is talking about, you know, the political moment and that's important. And then there's other art and that's also important. And what does the art do? Does it help you um, focus in on inequities? That's important. Does it help you focus on expanding your mind? That's also important. And so, you know, the, the guy, the concept of, you know, what is art and what should be um, pushed and so forth. I mean, to me, um, you have to go where it is for you from, from my, the projects that I've worked on, it's been a, a mixture. Um, but most recently it's been these, that is the projects that have come back to me. Um, Steve Keen book took seven years to make, but it, it's, again, it's about love. And I think, I hope that when people see the Steve Keen art book, they see that how much love went into it. It wasn't just my love. It was like all hundreds of people that sent me their artwork to photograph in my little apartment here, that some of which you can see behind me. Like it's, it's about everyone wanting to be part of this community and this film. It's about community. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these, and these are, these are things that we need to be reminded of that like, you know what, like really is as good as, as and as um, our lives can be as good as the people we know. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, yeah, I'm not sure um, uh, if I can add to that. That was so brilliant. Well, that was, um, yeah, that was a very good last thought. That was a great Springer final thought. I mean, <laughs> so we're not so beating proud. that. Yeah. So you hear this, so the silence in the room was everything. Yeah. Was... Listen, don't, don't, don't think that I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you daniel for coming back to the podcast thanks for having me uh again occupying your uh uh your uh your 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 space man appreciate both of you very much thank you so much it was a fun conversation um i hope that um we have something else to talk about someday that'd be fun too oh yeah for sure we will definitely have you back we love having you on the podcast you can order the Steve Keen art book. You can rent or buy the Elephant Six documentary. Um, you can get Robert's uh, zine in otherworldly light. Get the zine. Check it out. We'll put Daniel's uh, Instagram handle in the show notes so you can see his uh, amazing photography as well. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. And... Um, you know, we are on Soundtrack Cast on Blue Sky on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, we also have that Patreon. But uh, thank you again, Daniel. And uh, yeah, we'll maybe talk about a soundtrack next time. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, soundtrackyourlife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.